jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered. Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. We do have one guest lined up for it today. Wake Forest football beat writer Connor O'Neill will join us at the top of hour number two. We'll get his thoughts on the Demon Deacons. We'll talk a lot of football in hour number two. Have to talk about this situation going on at Maryland. DJ Durkin reinstated and then 24 hours later let go by the university president. They finally got it right. Finally. Don't know what took them so long, but Maryland now looking for a new head football coach. Matt Canada will serve as the interim head coach in the time being. And yes, Dino Baber's name uh, has been mentioned, at least in connection with that job, by a couple of highly respected national writers. Doesn't mean he's going to take it. Doesn't mean he's even interested, but who's, his, his who's, name has been mentioned. Who's reporting it doesn't make it any less hilarious and ridiculous. He's not going to Maryland. No, I would be no. I would be shocked uh, if, no. if Dino I, went to Maryland. I want to throw that one out here. Can we not have a single call today that's freaking out about him leaving to Maryland? Awesome. You hate this topic. He's not going to Maryland. He's not going to Maryland. He's not going um, to like there are only there there and we've talked about this before. There are only so few schools that can pull off hiring another Power 5 coach. Maryland is far from one of them. I know you hate this topic. It's something that it's going to keep popping it's gonna up. It's going to keep popping up. I mean up. his his name gets hotter and hotter and if they keep winning um he, his name is going to pop up in connection with other jobs. So as much as you don't want to talk about it and ignore it, it's it's a thing. And and Dino's name is going to be mentioned with other openings, and he's already been mentioned uh, with this Maryland job. But we can certainly talk about that uh, as the show moves along. We have to begin with with SU basketball. Preseason came to a close last night inside the Dome. Uh, a more efficient effort than we saw against St. Rose, a smoother effort, uh, 89-52 over LeMoyne. And I think one of our big takeaways, Seth, from from the opener, number one was, wow, Buddy Bayham looked great in the opener. The second takeaway was, huh, Elijah Hughes is getting the start instead of Merrick. And and we weren't sure which way they were going to go. And honestly, we hadn't seen all that much of Elijah Hughes since he transferred from East Carolina. I think we continue to see through these, these first two preseason games why Elijah Hughes is in the starting lineup and that Elijah Hughes will very much uh, remain in the starting lineup uh, throughout this season and, and as long as he's in an SU uniform. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I was really impressed with Elijah Hughes last night. I, last night was the first time I was at the game, first time I, I saw him in person, um, and, and you know that, that I was watching you know a little more closely being at the game. I was really impressed with him. I, you know, I, I tweeted this at some point last night. Uh, you're adding another player who, to me, has a very comparable offensive game to, to Ty's battle, and you're adding him to essentially last year's team. Like, imagine if you had two Ty's battles on last year's team. 
Two guys who that can shoot. Two guys who can shoot the three. Two guys who can drive to the basket. Two guys who can, uh, you know, score in the mid range. They, to me, they they're comparable offensive players. They're both six six. They're both guard slash forward. They're both guys who you know can make plays off the bounce. Uh, and now you've got two of them. <laughs> that, that'll help you. That's something that you want to have on your team. Um, and you and you add that into Tyus Battle. You add that into Frank Howard, to O'Shea Brissett, to Pascal Chukwu, to these guys who were on the team last year and played so well together defensively that um, it seems like Elijah will just fit in. And, and he's played well defensively as well. He's made steals. He's blocked shots. Uh, he's done a little bit of everything. I, I was really impressed with what I saw out of him last night. 21 points in 28 minutes of action. Uh, he tied for the team high with with five rebounds, and, and we'll discuss the, the rebounding totals. That was a little bit of an issue last night. I mean, LeMoyne out-rebounded Syracuse. That was, the I think, the one drawback from the game. And they did on the offensive board, Yes, seven, 17 offensive rebounds uh, for the Dolphins last night. That was that was your thought about Elijah Hughes, that he's the, the next... Tyus Battle, or, or maybe you know a, a second Tyus Battle to this team. My thought was as I as I watched him play and how good he was, I was thinking to myself, you know, we keep hearing how deep Syracuse is, and they are. They've got a lot of talent. I'm thinking to myself, how are guys gonna crack this rotation? With I don't know. I mean, you've got O'Shea Brissett, Elijah Hughes, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle. Are you really going to want those guys, any of those guys, off the floor for an extended period of time in a in a big game situation? And I say it kind of tongue in cheek because it'll work itself out. And you know the other guys behind him. I mean, when you've got you know Merrick coming off the bench and Jalen Carey coming off the bench, and I, I know guys will will find time. Um, but man, when push comes to shove, do you really want any of those four off the floor? They are they are that good. I mean that. And then you've got the two headed monster at center. I don't disagree with you. Uh, what. And and I say this just based on the talent that we already see. Um, you know, when when this team is at full strength, and and we will certainly get to that later on the show because we we don't know when that will be. But when this team gets to full strength, uh, where are the minutes for Jalen Carey, for Buddy Beheim, for Marek Dolishai? Uh, those are the three that I say in particular. And and I know that you don't want to play anybody forty minutes a game. Uh, but I, I, we talked about this last week, and I, I brought this up last week, Steve. Uh, okay, so instead of playing 40 minutes a game, you're going to play 32. Okay, so Frank, Tyus, and, and Hughes, and, and O'Shea all play uh, 32 minutes a game instead of 40, like they would have last year. Okay, that is uh, 8 times 4. That's 32 minutes to, to split between the three of them. 10 minutes a game. Yeah, well, I think you look R- at roughly. So, say the forward position. So, say O'Shea plays thirty-two minutes and Elijah Hughes plays thirty-two minutes. That that leaves sixteen minutes for a guy like Merrick to come in and, and play the forward and we position. And play the center last night. But I guess my point, yes, that's true, and that that's a good point. And Alan Griffin brought that up a couple nights ago on the Alan Griffin show. He said, you know, they may play Merrick at the five. You know, throughout the year, and not out of a necessity. Last year was out of necessity. This year, at times. they might just like it. They might just do it. I mean, he showed he could do it. He yeah. had a three last night. Yeah. Do you think? And and I was impressed by that. Do you think that they could play O'Shea at the five in certain situations? I mean, could just, they? Just I mean, they could do whatever they want. I just be like, if you, if you wanted to get O'Shea, uh, Elijah Hughes, Tyus Frank, and Jalen Carey all on the floor, and you just and you were just like, you know what, all out. All out. We're just gonna we're just gonna score on you. I don't know if In I love theory, that. You could do that. I mean, that would be a great scoring lineup, sure. Um, but we just want to shoot all over you and score all over you. I don't know if I love that. I mean, if the idea is to press 
if that's what you're talking about, you're behind and you need to score and press, put Merrick in the middle. Sure. I don't think you need to put O'Shea in the All middle. Right. Um, it was just a thought. But, you know, as we're talking about this, so so say O'Shea plays 32 minutes a game and Elijah plays 32 minutes, that opens up 16 minutes and Merrick plays the other 16. But again, my point is, is when they play Duke and Virginia and North Carolina and, and nothing against Merrick, 32? but do you really know. want Elijah Hughes and O'Shea Brissett out of the game for 16 minutes? No, you don't. You don't. And that's why I asked the question that's last week, and that's why I, asked, I would ask the question again today, and that's why we'll probably ask this question in January. Uh, do, do you really want that person, those players, off the court? And I think that your top uh, four right now, Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, and Elijah Hughes, I think that top four, uh, in whatever order you want to put them, is really, really good. Uh, Tyus Battle's a future NBA player. I think O'Shea Brissett's a future NBA player. Uh, Elijah Hughes certainly has a skill set uh, similar to to what future NBA players look like. We'll, we'll see how that plays itself out. But you're looking at four guys who are all very good college basketball players. Um, and I don't know that I want any of them off the floor. You're looking at you're looking at four guys that if if things go really well for Syracuse, they could all earn AC all ACC consideration at year's end. Maybe not first team, but they would all earn all ACC consideration at year's end if things go well for Syracuse, right? That's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Because, because think about this. How how much did we talk about at the end of last year? We said Ty's battle should have been first team all ACC, but Virginia was be- the best team in the conference, and somebody had to be first team all ACC, so Kyle Guy got the spot. Well, if Syracuse is one of the top three teams, four teams in the ACC this year, and, they, and, and things go, quote-unquote, according to plan, and they finish in the top third of the conference— you're going to need representation. And if they finish in the top third of the conference, those four are going to have very big roles. And you just said a moment ago, you said the top four on this team, whatever order you want to put them in. If I asked you to put them in order, it's it's a difficult <laughs> exercise, it is. is it not? Yes. And I think your your knee-jerk reaction is, all right, well, you know, Frank's probably, is, is Frank really fourth? Like, probably. I mean, that's, your, that's your knee-jerk reaction, but... If he's your fourth best player, then you're in pretty good shape to start the season. Uh, Tommy, our producer, mentioned this before the show, and and he wasn't contending that Elijah Hughes was the best player on the team. He just posed the question. He said, could Elijah Hughes be the best player on the team? Um, I don't think so, because I think it's still Tyus. But, you know, is is Elijah the third best player on the team? I mean, is it? Is it Tyus and then O'Shea? And then if Elijah Hughes, that, that's my point, is if Frank is your fourth best player and either Elijah Hughes or O'Shea Brissett is your third best player, you're in really you're, good shape. Yes, you're yeah. in very good shape. You're in really good shape. And I, I think that's the bottom line. That's the real takeaway from last night. As good as Elijah Hughes has looked, he's not your best player. I, I would still say Tyus Battle is the best player on your team. O'Shea Brissett is still one of your three best players on the team. Uh, this team, given what they've got and what they've managed to put together, the talent here is is so much different than the talent that was on the team last year just by a few additions because we're talking mostly about Elijah Hughes, but we haven't mentioned too much Jalen Carey, Buddy Beheim, and, and I think that we've seen uh, there's certainly a role for Buddy Beheim on this team. And assuming he's healthy, we think there's a place and a role for Jalen Carey on this team. They they have so many more offensive weapons than they did last year. Even if they would have just added Elijah Hughes 
and taken out the other two. This is a drastically different team offensively than they were last year. And we've seen that in these first two exhibitions. Right, We've seen that in these two exhibition games. There's a better flow to the offense, even without a point guard. There's a better flow to the offense. They're not getting late in the shot clock. They're getting shots up easier, and I know it's against lesser competition, but but they were working to get shots last year. No more five-on-three, no, as we talked about last year. Everybody can score. Barama Sidibe made a couple of nice moves when he was in the game. He looked a lot better than he did against St. Rose. I was pleased to see that. So, I mean, if you're talking about teams that, that have a top four of Ty's battle, Elijah Hughes, O'Shea Brissett, Frank Howard... That team's going to score a lot of points, and that team's going to do a lot of damage. As you know, I was uh, over at the Mellow Center earlier this morning uh, talking with Jerry McNamara for the the television version of Orange Nation, uh, our season premiere tomorrow night uh, on News Channel 9. And and he said something about Buddy that kind of you know opened my eyes. He said they believe that that Buddy has the potential to be uh, top one percent in the tree in terms of shooting, in terms of just shooters. And I mean, okay. they, they think he's got that potential that that he can. He can, you know, hit the open shot. He can already do that, but he's only going to get better. And again, you add that kind of weapon to this team, and Jalen Carey and what he brings to the table. And now you got Merrick, who had all that experience from last year. And yeah, I think he was starting out a necessity to some degree last year, but I he got a lot of experience agree. built upon his game. He, he was hitting the ten to fifteen footer at the end of the year. Now he showed last night he's got some range. He can hit a three pointer. We know he can play the center, so he's versatile. You you add that as as kind of a, a jack of all trades type player off the bench. Again, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but this team absolutely on face value has all the pieces you need to to go very, very deep in the NCAA tournament and have a very good season. So question for you. Uh, I'll break this down into two parts. Uh the five guys who are back, the four that we've seen, Tyus, O'Shea, Frank, uh, Marek, and, and throw in Pascal and Barama. Uh, as a whole, better or worse than they were last year? Doing the football thing. Better or worse than they were last year? Each guy individually or as a, as as, a, as a group? Well, as a group, they're going to be better. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And we haven't even seen Frank yet. Yes. The guys that they've brought in, better or worse than what they had surrounding those five last year? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. Again, no-brainer. It's better. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is better. They like you. You can just already get the feeling that this team is not even just a little bit better. They they are significantly better than what they had last year. And you look at. I'll take it one step further, Seth. The weaknesses last year. Depth was a weakness. That's been solved. Outside shooting was a weakness. I think that's been solved. And the strength of this team defense has gotten better. So their strength has gotten better, and their two main weaknesses they've solved. So. Yeah, I mean, I know that they're starting the year 14th in one poll and 16th in the other, and and that seemed about where we thought they would land. But I think this team, I think this team has the potential to to be better than that. To be yes, to be better than was, that. I think it was the appropriate starting point, and we'll see what they look like as compared to everybody else. Look, dude. There are teams that are coming Duke's out with loaded, just Carolina's as much loaded. talent. I get Duke, it. Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, they're, they're always going to have the talent. Let's see how those teams come you out. Know because, what? because they're probably all having the same conversations in, in those that's areas of, of, hey, these guys look significantly better than what we had last year, and, and they'll be better. And that and that's fine, but you said you know Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, they're always going to have talent, and you're right. The difference is they've got talent that, in a lot of cases, has never played a college basketball game before. And Syracuse has talent. And oh, by the way, they've got a Sweet 16 run on, on top of that with, with the experience. And they've got a senior point guard. And they've got a third year, 
you know, they've essentially got an NBA rookie on their team, right? I mean, Tyus Battle was that close to being an NBA rookie right now. So they've got an NBA rookie, a fourth-year uh, point guard. They've they've got experience to go along with that talent. So they it's, certainly do. it's hard not to get excited. Let's go to the phone lines at 315-437-7644. John in Syracuse kicking us off on the show today. Hey, John. How you doing? Good. When you? you say it's more or less a done deal that Hughes and Brissett would start at the three and four? Yes. Yeah. And hopefully the point guards come back healthy soon. Yeah. Well, my one concern is, I don't know about you, what about at center? I mean, wouldn't you want to try to feed the ball inside it to your centers? Because you can't just rely on the three all the time. And you, I don't know if Chuku and Sotheby uh, can handle that. What's your opinion? Um, I, they are not known for their offense, and and you said you don't think you can get by. I think you can absolutely get uh, by. Fifteen I mean, it's, years ago, I would want to feed right. the center all the time. Not too many teams feed the low post anymore. There's not. I I would say there are probably a handful of teams that will play through their center. Five to ten. Would teams you love to have DeAndre Ayton on your team? Exactly. Of course, of course but, you would. But he's the exception in college yep. basketball these days. A he's Joe, the exception. Joel Embiid. Is, he's the exception, the exception in the in the NBA these days. That's the exception. I mean, yes. you look at what the Golden State Warriors are doing. Not to compare SU to the Golden State look, Warriors, the, but look, Duke had Marvin Bagley last year and didn't play through the post. Right. And I, I understand where you're coming from, John, because, you know, if you said, and, and we would have to be nitpicking here, if we said, you know, what's the weakness of this team, okay, I mean, I think we saw last night they got out-rebounded by LeMoyne. That, that's something that, that they will have to address. The centers were both banged up last year. Uh, Barama's coming back from a from an injury that I'm not sure he's 100%. He looked a lot better last night than he did against St. Rose. So, yeah, fine. You can say the centers are a concern, but to say, I don't know if you can get by because they, they, they're not going to feed the post, I'm not concerned about that at all. I think, no. what, what are the, the, let's see, I've got the stats right in front of me. Uh, Chuku had eight points. Sidibe had four, so he had 12 points. They didn't really nine boards well. yeah. and uh, and a couple of blocks. Twelve points, nine boards, a couple of blocks. That that's fine. I think you, that's you do more that. Than I mean, if you do that night in and night out, and you're right, they didn't rebound all that well as a team last night. But twelve, nine, and a couple of blocks. That's that's the baseline of where of where those two guys are going to be. I think throughout the season. Um, Chuku played 18 minutes. Sidibe played 16. If you extend that through 40 minutes, you know maybe they go 15 points, 11 rebounds, and you're like, okay. I'll take that. Yeah. So and, I'm not, not worried it, about that at all. And you take a couple minutes from Marek at center and you move on. All right, got to take our first time out. Phone lines open all of our number one. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse. Or online at BillRap.com. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in. Phone lines open all of our number one as we go back to the phones. Pat in Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, Pat. Hey, guys. You know, very exciting game. A lot of pauses to pull out of it. Uh, John's a good caller. He's a half-class empty kind of guy, and I respect all individuals. So I'm not going to rip him, and I'm not on your airways to rip anybody. But what I will say is... um, one of the moves that I remember from last night over any other move was, I think, the first basket. I was going to say, let half. me stop you. Pascal, when he, he actually put the ball on the floor and, and drove baseline yeah. and laid it in. Yeah, great move. Yeah, I mean, look, it's an exhibition. Everybody knows. But they're still playing five on five, and um, they're still playing by the rules. So that was a big-time move, one he was not capable of making last year. 
uh, Chuku looks bigger and stronger, and um, it's nothing but positives in terms of where he was last year to where he is this year. And I know Jerry said the same on uh, Seth's show with, with him uh, on more than one occasion. So Tuku's looking better. Sidibe's, uh just he's a little – he just knows how to put the ball in the basket. I mean, he had three rim out, but his moves are there. His footwork's there. He's very – he's got good body control. So I, I don't – I'm not concerned about all that, about that at all. And, and I, I don't know what game John's watching to, you know, come away, you know, worrying about throwing the ball in the post. I mean – some people say, oh, you got to have an inside game, and some people say, oh, you got to surround shooters. I'm going to go and look at what the Lakers are actually trying to do. Everybody says, oh, the Lakers need more shooting, the Lakers need more shooting. What teams need more than just shooters? I mean, if you have four shooters and nobody that can make a play for themselves, you're going to lose. So you need guys that you can give the ball to and they can create their own shot, whether that be off the bounce, whether that be catch and shoot, whether that be take it to the rim, mid-level, any of that stuff. And Syracuse has more players this year that can create their own shot than they've ever had, and, and, and it's not even close. I mean, it's just incredible what I'm seeing from Hughes. Hughes has the best body control I've seen on Syracuse for an athlete since Dave Johnson, and, and Dave Johnson is one of the most underrated athletes with amazing body control for a guy 6'6 that I've ever seen in my life. And that's who Hughes reminds me of going to the rim. Uh, he's got far superior body control than Tyus. I think that's one thing that Tyus struggles with. That was one thing that Paul Harris struggled with. And a lot of basketball players struggle with, with body control. Um, it's a God-given talent and something that you cannot develop. And I think that Hughes will end up being the best pro on this team, and I don't care if he hasn't played one minute of basketball. Coach Beheim said last year he considered him a top 25 player. So, yeah, this, this team is looking good. I do think uh, the one hole, the one cheek in their armor, is if they go up against, you know, a lot of bulk. Um, I think Chuku can hold his own and block shots. But we are still a slender team. You know, we don't have a lot of bulk inside like when we had Jackson and Anawaku. Um, But other than that, I think this team needs to just learn to start out the game better. I think I've been saying that for three years on your show. No matter who we're playing, no matter high how no, no matter how high the stakes are, we start the game out slow. I think if you were to go back and look at the last three years and look at our score, we're we're probably on average losing each of those games by an average of six to twelve points. So as long as they can fix that and learn what their assignments are from the start of the game, not at the fourteen thirteen minute mark, they're going to be great. I'm excited for the year and also looking forward to the football game on uh, Saturday. All right, Pat. As always, appreciate you checking in. Um, you know, you say it's it's just an exhibition. This kind of popped in my head as as uh, as Pat was talking there about the centers. You know, Pascal Chuku had had eight points, uh, three for four from the floor. He made both his free throws, and so far in the two exhibitions, three for four. And this team as a whole making their free throws, sixteen for nineteen last night from the free throw line, sixteen for twenty two in in the first game. Free throws are free throws. I say this all the time about I don't care if you're making threes against Colgate or Duke. The three-point line is the three-point line. The free throw line is the free throw line. So I think that's a positive as well. If you know they don't need Pascal Chuku to you know camp on the low block and ask for the ball and, and be able to make moves uh, you know every time down the court. But when he gets the opportunity, he needs to be able to finish and he needs to be able to make his free throws if he's fouled. And I thought we saw that last night out of Pascal. He had a couple of nice moves, and he made his free throws. Yeah, I'm not concerned about 
their offensive game. I'm not concerned about the centers playing offense. That's not what you're looking at them for. You're looking at them for defense. You're looking at them uh, to rebound. You're, you're looking at them to to make the easy buckets to clean stuff up around the rim. You're, you're not giving them the ball, uh, asking them to make moves in the post against... You know, na- name the 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 ACC big man. Uh, you know, you're you're not looking for that out of them. You're you're looking to them for defense and rebounding, and any kind of points that you get feels like a bonus. Any kind of you know clean up stuff, lobs towards the middle of the rim. Uh, it, it all that that to me is all gravy. Play good defense, rebound the ball. Uh, and you're happy with Pascal Chukwu and Barama Sadiba. And, you know, we, we're really stretching to come up with weaknesses for this team, and, and I understand what Pat's saying. He's right. They're they're not a big and bulky team, and, and they are slender, but that would be more of a problem if they were trying to match everybody up man-to-man. I mean, they're playing zone. They're long and athletic. And also, who are they playing that's bulky? I mean, inevitably, there's going to be teams Like that, Zion Williamson is bulky, but Chukwu's got eight inches on him. You know, traditionally, North Carolina has got some beef down low that you got to contend with. Um, you my, know, my point being, it's, it's right, one it, or two teams. It's, and it's and not ma- that many. And in major Division One college basketball, it's the, the game has changed. I mean, we've seen basketball change. That to your point, it's not like teams are putting the twin towers out there. Um, I understand what Pat's saying. He's not wrong. I mean, they they don't have a lot of bulk down low, but O'Shea Brissett's a fantastic rebounder. You've got a seven-two center in the middle. Um, you know, you've got Merrick that you could go to, and and Elijah is a better rebounder than I think you know we expected. And again, it's only a couple of preseason games, but he had five of them last night. I mean, you'll take that out of out of your uh, out of your small forward. Um, it's hard to come up with weaknesses. You know, we we've taken two calls, and you know, okay, Pascal Chuku and Barama Sidibe, they're not um, you know they're not going to set the world on fire offensively. Okay, it's it's you're factually not, correct. You're also not dumping the ball to them right. 30 times a game looking for points. It's factually correct, but I don't know as if I would consider it a weakness. And, you know, Pat brought up the fact they don't have a lot of bulk down low. Again, factually correct, but I don't really think it, it rises to the level of weakness. I, it's, it's really hard to come up with what is this team's weakness. And maybe right now this team's weakness is... You know, it got hit by the injury bug, and they don't have a starting point guard. You know, the, Ty's battle's got to run the show for God knows how long. We don't know when this when this is going to end. We don't know when Jalen Carey's coming back. We don't know when Frank Howard's coming back. It sounds like they're close, though, which is encouraging. Um, but it may go down. It may go on for a little bit. So I, maybe that's the the weakness right now. But that's you know, you can't do anything about injuries. And they have depth no. there to. I mean, you have an NBA. We've learned that. You have right? an NBA guard who's handling injuries. the point. So I, I think you'll you'll be just fine. I know we're up against the clock. We do need to take a timeout, but phone lines remain open. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation, brought to you in part by CH Insurance. We mentioned the injuries to the guards uh, before the break. So Howard Washington, Frank Howard, Jalen Carey all sat out again last night. Um, all three are in various stages of coming back. Jalen Carey returned to practice on Monday. From what we understand, he's yet to take part in five-on-five five at practice. Howard Washington is is back doing some stuff on the court. Uh, he's expected to be cleared for contact on Saturday and Frank Howard out of the boot. He's back doing some work on the court. Has not played five-on-five five yet. 
And again, we just don't know when they're going to come back, if they're going to come back. Um, well, in the case of Howard Washington, we don't that that might be a longer term thing. Frank I Howard and Jalen Carey coming back soon. We keep hearing soon. Uh, the target was the regular season opener, which is Tuesday. The first real big test is when they go down to New York for UConn and then either Iowa or Oregon. Um, and we have no guarantees at this point. So it's it's kind of a guessing game, and you just hope, and I think you would expect, that Syracuse will be able to survive and, until those guys come back. I think that's got to be the hope. Uh, I think that um, as it got closer, I don't think either of us expected Jalen Carey to play last night. Correct. Especially after the coaches' shows we did on a Tuesday. Um, I did think that he would probably play in the game next week. But I, I I feel less certain about that now, just because of how things are going. Um, and and I don't know what you thought. I, I thought the what Jim Beheim said last night was really telling. Uh, you'll hear Darius Joshua first from from News Channel Nine, and then and then Coach Beheim. Coach, uh, how close was was Jalen to playing? Well, he was close. He was right there. He was right down there. That's, that's about how close he was. He was right there. I'm not a doctor. We'll see when he's ready. He's ready. When that'll be is up to what he feels like he can do and when he can go. And I don't get involved in those decisions. It's up to training staff and the player. At the end of the day, it's the player that has to make the final decision here. You know, a trainer can feel a guy's ready, but if you're not ready, if you're hurting, if it's bothering you, then you, then you, you it's up to the player to make that decision at that time. That whole thing struck me as very strange. That whole thing just struck me as pointing off to the side, saying, "Yeah, he was, you know, he was right there. He he, he was that close to playing. Like he's two seats down from me." The the saying at the end, you know, the doctors can clear you, but then it's up to the player to decide. Um, I, I got a really weird vibe off of that, and and maybe only because we went through this with Matthew Moyer last year. Uh, where Jim Beheim said this. He looked fine in practice the last two days. He helped us against Louisville. He can't jump really off one leg, but I had bad ankles, and you can go jump off two. But uh, his father came in and told him not to play, and I don't play somebody when they don't want to play. And I know there are different circumstances, obviously, and we talked to Jerry McNamara on the GMAC show. He said, you know, Jalen hasn't been hurt before, so you, you go through things differently. That comment last night, I, I I maybe I'm misinterpreting the whole thing, but I it 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 struck me in a very strange way. I think you're reading into it too much. I I think the the situations are very different. Um, you know that Matthew Moyer thing. There was some stuff going on behind the scenes. There I definitely think, I think was. we we kind of know and understand that. Um, I think it was just a case last night. In my opinion, the way I took it is. We, we just don't know. You, you don't know with ankles. Everybody responds differently. He suffered the injury on October 12th. Now, when you hear sprained ankle or rolled ankle, you think, all right, you know, some guys come back from a rolled ankle in a few days. Some guys, it takes a few weeks. You know, Jerry McNamara made the point uh, today to me when I talked to him, and, and I know he did to you as well on the Jerry McNamara show, that 
you know, for a guy who hasn't suffered a lot of ankle injuries, it will take longer because you know your ligaments are stronger and and they're in place. And and when you when you roll it a lot, they become looser and you're able to bounce back a little bit quicker. As strange as that sounds, the more you injure it, the quicker you're able to bounce back from it. But yeah, that is a, the case with he, ankles. He used himself as the example. Right. <laughs> it's like I messed up my ankles so many times. I was I was kind of good to go. And that is the case with ankles. And Jalen hasn't really been hurt all that much. And and so it's taking him a little longer. I read it as a case of. We just don't know. We just don't know. And there's no sense in putting him out there for a preseason no, game I'm if not you're saying, not, I'm not if saying you're not they sure. should. I'm not saying they should have played him last night if, if they didn't know he was healthy uh, or, or if he wasn't 100%. I, I just got a strange read when, they, when you throw in that last part of like, hey, the doctors can clear you, then it's up to the player. That's, that's the part that maybe struck me more so. So the fact that he was... You know, we're, we were told practicing on Monday. Now, practicing means can mean different things, right? You know, when I hear he's practicing, I initially think he's he's 100. percent You know, or not necessarily 100, percent but he's he's doing it. everything. Yeah. He's doing everything, especially in, especially in his case. Right. You know, and Howard practicing for Jalen Carey and practicing for Howard Washington to me took on two Come different back, Coming back from a rolled ankle, when I hear he's back practicing again, I think, all right, he's he's practicing, he's doing everything that everybody else is doing. But that has not been the case. He's not participating in the five on five. So he felt good enough to come back and shoot around and, and do some work on his own and, and that and that's great. But you know, you and I both assumed, all right, well, if he's practicing on Monday and then the the first game is the following Tuesday. Well, certainly in in a week or eight days, he's going to be back on the court and he'll be part of that game. But it sounds like he wasn't truly practicing. Like he wasn't practicing like everybody else was practicing. Right. He was shooting around and doing some work on his own and and some work with the coaches, but not participating in five on five. So I get that there's this cloud of uncertainty. And you know what? If he's ready, he's ready. And if he's not, he's not. Um, I don't compare it at all to the Matthew Moyer thing. I think that was completely different. There was a frustration because Moyer was in and out of the lineup. Jalen Carey hasn't even come back yet. I mean, and I, Moyer was upset with his role, and his dad was involved, and there was a lot of stuff going I, on with that Matthew Moyer. I know thing. there's a lot more to the Matthew Moyer thing than than on the surface, and I know there was a whole lot going on. But what you just outlined of uh, there there was all of that in the background. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I went straight to that thought because that happened in in February of the guy's second year in the program, and and Jalen Carey has not played a game yet. Jalen Carey has not stepped on the floor yet, and I said, "Oh, are are we already getting close to that tipping point?" I don't and, think so. and no, I, I don't know, but but I don't know that that comment for whatever reason set off alarm bells in my head last night. It didn't for me. I think it's just a case of they just don't know. And, and he's probably tired of being asked the question, and, and Darius did a good job asking it. He's got to ask it. I mean, that's what everybody to. wants to know. When is he? Co- so Darius was doing his job, and I think, you know, Jim Beha, maybe he's just he's tired of answering the question. He doesn't know. He, he can't give us a definitive answer because he doesn't know. That That's how I took it, that it's, it's an ankle. It's up to, you know, the kid and the training staff, and when he feels ready – to, to go out there and give it a go. And that hasn't happened yet. And, you know, they're getting close to the regular season opener. They'll be fine the first two games. Things get trickier when they go to New York City. And you would hope that one or both of those guys, meaning Jalen Carey or Frank Howard, you hope that one or both will be back by New York. Um, I asked Allen if Jalen Carey definitely was going to be available for the UConn game. He said he didn't know. I think they just don't know. I think they just don't know. And it's, you know, they'll see how things respond. Um, sounds like he's a lot closer to coming back than maybe than maybe Frank Howard. You know, it might be a little bit longer with Frank Howard, but 
they would love to get Jalen Carey on the floor, and I, I know they, they really like him a lot. 315-437-7644. Got to take a quick timeout. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this on ESPN Radio.